Welcome to our live coverage from Los Angeles, California of Super Bowl 56 Media Week, a production of WSBU 88.3 The Buzz. Welcome into WSBU 88.3 The Buzz, live from L.A. for Super Bowl 56 from the L.A. Convention Center. You're listening to The Wild Card. This is Nick Roloff with Nate Solomon, Tom Sype, and Carter Raymond. We have three great interviews coming up for you. Annie Agar leading us off, Jake Marsh in the middle slot, and to round it out, Randy Grimes. So stay tuned for those interviews, but for this opening segment, we're going to jump into the NBA trade deadline. It's Thursday, but we've seen activity all week long. Nate, let's start with you. There's been multiple trades. Which one start or jumped out to you the most? Probably what stood out to me the most was the, the trade the Clippers had to acquire Norman Powell. I mean, I think Norman Powell is one of the more underrated uh Underrated guard in the league, he can kind of score. You know, he can shoot, he can drive, he can he can do a little bit of everything on the offensive end. Um, you know, we actually saw his first game in a Clippers uniform on Sunday at uh, Crypto.com Arena in their loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, for a depleted Clippers team, I thought he played really well. I think he could fit in um, well with that team, especially if they get healthy down the stretch, which I think they will. I think eventually Kawhi Leonard and Paul George will get healthy. So I think that trio is will be a really fun trio to watch. So um, Clippers got a lot better with it. Uh, I'm excited to see what they can accomplish, assuming they do get healthy. The trade that sticks out to me the most is hopefully the one that happens to Julius Randle in the next few days. Um, but no, in all seriousness, um, the trade that sticks out to me the most is definitely the one between the Kings and the Pacers involving Sabonis, Halliburton, and Heald. Um, I think that's a pretty massive deal that a lot of people really aren't giving um, as much attention as it probably deserves. I'm a huge fan of uh, Sabonis, and him going to Sacramento is kind of interesting because obviously Sacramento has been rebuilding since 2004. So, you know, he was an all-star just a year ago. Um, you know, in terms of Indiana, I thought that they were very good you know, just about two years ago, like they were very good, and you know now they're kind of deciding to stick with Miles Turner over Sabonis is a little questionable on my end. Although I thought Nick Roloff uh, yesterday gave a good explanation on why that may be, it's it's still a little questionable in my opinion. So you know now it's Brogdon and Halliburton, you know as the two guards um, for Indiana. So I think while both teams are you know bottom of their. Um, bottom of their conference, I think it's a very interesting deal because it changes a lot of the minute production and scoring production on both teams. So, you know, with both teams being in rebuilds and that little personnel change, it, I find it a little interesting. Yeah, for me, it has to be C.J. McCollum. I mean, this kind of Blazers breakup is something that we've been looking at for quite a while. I mean, CJ is still a, a terrific player. He's averaging 20 a game, or was averaging 20 a game, and he heads to a New Orleans squad, which really is struggling to find an identity. Of course, the, the Zion situation is a burden on that franchise right now, and you know, as we all want to see him back on the floor. It's just kind of questionable what will happen. So CJ's a good veteran player to go down there. I, I think the problem is for CJ's sake, you know, how much is that going to benefit him? It wasn't working in, in, in Portland, but I always thought that team was capable of more than what they were doing in the in the, in the last few years. So yeah. um, it's an it's an interesting move, um, and I'm 
I, I can't wait to see how it shakes out. It's going to be weird seeing him in a Pelicans uniform, and I hope that he can give that team some hope. Yeah, uh, if, for me personally, I think the biggest trade is the one that Tom Side brought up, is the Kings and Pacers. I mean, Sabonis, CJ McCollum is a great player. Uh, he's been outstanding for a while, long time on Portland. But out of the all the trades done, Sabonis is the biggest name. Yeah. Uh, All-star two years ago. Puts up numbers on a Pacers team. And oddly enough, he's been traded. I think this is his third time. I know he's been traded at, traded at least twice because he was on the uh, Thunder yes. at one point, And I don't think he was drafted yeah, I by believe Thunder. What did you say? I was going to say I believe it's second, but we can fact check you. Yeah, fact, that, uh, fact check that for fact me. Fact that check. Yeah, it could be the third, could be the second. But I know this is the second at least time he got traded. So it's interesting to see him keep on getting bounced around. Uh, by the league a little bit, and uh, I don't know, quite know why because of how talented he is. But I mentioned yesterday on Tom and I show the nightly buzz that it truly to me is like a GM's decision on how they want to build their team. Yeah. And they went with the young guard to pair up with Brogdon, shipped off a big man they had to either Miles Turner or Sabonis. You knew, you knew one of them was going to be gone in the short term, and they when it was Sabonis, kept the shot blocking uh, big that could shoot the three. And that just changes, like you said, even though both teams are at the bottom, it changes the landscape of their teams for the future and the landscape of the NBA draft order in the upcoming time. Nick, I'm interested in the Halliburton side of this because Tyrese is a player who had a really, really promising you know, um, you know, first year in the NBA rookie season, but... For them to send him away is a little bit, little bit questionable to me. I, especially, you know, a, a young player like that. I wonder if he's reached their, kind of reached his peak. Like, are they not seeing that ceiling going super high for Tyrese Halliburton? And maybe the Kings are going after someone like Sabonis, who is a bigger name, bigger star. But I think to give up the the future of Tyrese Halliburton is an interesting move for the Kings. Yeah, no, uh, it's definitely, I think, more just ineptitude, if okay. that's a word. I think it is. Yeah, uh, I believe it is. Of the Kings organization, because this is a terrible trade on their part. And I said this yesterday, that even though the Kings got Sabonis, I think the Pacers won this. Yeah. They got Buddy Heald as well. And I think they're going to end up flipping them. And if you've been on Twitter the past 24 hours, that there's reports that they are open to moving him again. So I kind of... I'm going to pat myself on the back. kind of feel like I hit that one on the head a little bit. Sorry. Uh, shameless. But, uh, yeah, Halliburton is averaging 14 points this year, 7.5 assists, and shooting 41% from three. That is uh, great numbers, and there's no way the Kings organization truly believes in itself that Halliburton is not going to get better than what he is now. He's a second-year player. Right. But this goes back to me, last year's draft. They had a ton of options on the board in their lottery pick, and they went with Halliburton. They went with best player available. Sometimes that's the right move in Halliburton. But when you have a young stud point guard like Darren Fox, why would you draft another young point guard? You know for a fact that they're both not going to be able to reach their potential together because they're two true point guards. So I don't get why they did that in the first place. They, if they didn't like anybody else, they should have just traded the pick there. And now they're left trading Halliburton here, and I think Halliburton will flourish in in uh, the Pacers because he will be able to play the true point guard, moving Brogdon to the two where Brogdon belongs and because he was just playing point guard for them uh, for the short term. But now Halliburton, I think, will be able to flourish down in Indiana. Does this mean that De'Aaron Fox is not going anywhere now? 
No, yeah, this is they made the decision because there was rumors about Fox wanting out slash being traded, and they chose Fox instead of Halliburton. Yeah. You forget last year or two years ago, they gave De'Aaron Fox the max rookie contract extension that yeah. he could have got, like the Bama Bios, the Jason Tatums. That's what kind of deal he got, which he deserves because that's how talented De'Aaron Fox is. So it was weird to see them have to choose between the two. That's why they should have never drafted Halliburton in the uh, first place, but they cho chose Fox. I'm a big Halliburton fan, but they made the right decision. Yeah, I agree. I think you know. I think Hall Halliburton will definitely have the opportunity to, to reach a ceiling, kind of like what you're saying. And, and, and going back to the draft pick, um, you know, the Kings had opportunities to draft bigs, and they, that's really where they needed. It. They needed bigs, you know, uh, to complement someone like the De uh, De'Aaron Fox. So definitely a confusing pick, but but I definitely agree with you guys. That, you know, I think that the Halliburton will uh, will definitely flourish in this new role with the new team. So if you're De'Aaron Fox, are you happy with Sabonis? Yes. I mean, because yeah, you I, I am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. You finally have the, uh, a, a, a comparable big that can kind of do a little bit of everything. So uh, that should kind of make him better and, and hopefully satisfy him for the meanwhile in, in Sacramento. Yeah. I, I mean, of course you would be happy with the acquisition of Sabonis. I think it's interesting because you, know, you talk about if you're De'Aaron Fox, right? Hal Burton's gone, now you know that position's yours and you don't have competition and a younger um, player. At the same time, you know, if you look at the Kings overall, you know, moving on from Halliburton and moving on from Heald, sometimes it just doesn't work, right? You, know, you see that a lot in sports sometimes. And again, that's kind of why C.J. McCollum was moved. Carl, you say it's just not working. No, you, Two good players. you said that you thought that you know they had a high ceiling, which is true. There have been many times where I picked them to win multiple series that they just came out and did not perform, and sometimes it just doesn't work. And I think that was kind of what was happening with Halliburton and Heald. Heald's been there for a long time, right? I mean, it's been like four or five years now. But he's been around the league as well a little bit. He's been traded a couple times. Yeah, uh, but, but, but the point remains that, you know, it, it just wasn't working and you had to move on at the time being. So, you know, in, in terms of the original question, if you're De'Aaron Fox, are you happy? The answer is 100%. Even if you think as an objective fan – that Sacramento lost a trade, if you are De'Aaron Fox, you're happy. You're 100% right, because now he's going to be able to play a pick and roll, what they hope they're going to get when they drafted Marvin Bagley and De'Aaron Fox yeah. in back-to-back -back years. Yeah. Uh, now they're going to get that with Sabonis. And Marvin Bagley might even be traded, so the Kings might not be done with the trading. But uh, that they, they do have a fantastic pick and roll. But they're just a uh, franchise that hasn't had many uh, success as a whole, and they're one of those teams where they should be better than they actually are. So maybe they're gonna finally get over the hump adding Sabonis. Tom, not. Tom, you mentioned the other. You know, like sometimes it just doesn't work. Like sometimes it just doesn't work for these teams. Like CJ McCollum. Like is that the case with the Kings franchise? Like it just doesn't work every single year. Yes, they should the relocate and change work. their name. It doesn't work. I mean, Go back uh, to no, but, Seattle. But in, in all seriousness, uh, in in all seriousness, yeah, it, and that that's why you had to move. From a, a draft pick that you, you know, from two years ago uh, in Halliburton, and Buddy Heald, who was acquired to be that guy, Carter. You know, he he when he was traded, when the Sacramento made a big trade at the time to trade a monumental trade at the time to trade Demarcus Cousins to New Orleans for Buddy Heald, he was supposed to be that guy, right? It didn't work, just flat out didn't work. So that's why you you have to make the decision and. And move on, and yeah, it happens a lot, you know, Carly. Like even, 
you look at the NBA, and this happens a lot in the NBA, because the NBA, it, it happens all quick, right? You have new players that come into the league, and unlike any other league in sports, I'd make the argument that there's no rookies that make a greater impact on the team than in basketball, right? You could make the argument for football, but in no, my opinion, it's, fair. It, it's basketball. So, you know, everything changed quick, right? I mean, gosh, we're, we're talking about Greg Monroe, who, um, you know, when we're at the Lakers uh, game last night, the guy's not even really that old, right? Was he 32, right? He's in his mid-30s. But the but, but point remains, in every other sport, that's that's normal. That's, yeah. that's your prime. Greg Monroe, we think he's old. 31. You know? 31. See, 31. Okay. 31. Wow, see, that's wow. amazing. He's see, I, You think he's a lot older than that. Exactly. I would have guessed 35. So my point is, you know, it happened so quick that you only have a short window in terms of finding yeah. who that guy is, right? Yeah. Buddy Hield, it just didn't work. You can look at the New York Knicks, for example. You know, Julius Randle, it's in his, he's in his third year with the Knicks. You know, first year, horrific. You thought that it wasn't. Second year, it, it just, everything worked out. They, they had a little luck in their favor. And now, in through two and a half seasons, you know, you can look at Julius Randle and say, hey, I don't know if this is the right fit for long-term success. You know, right. so I think when you're talking about that Kings trade, that's kind of what happened when it came to Halliburton, Halliburton and Buddy Heald. And, Tom, you made a great point there, and we have to go to an interview. Tyler Smith and Carter Raymond are sitting down with Annie Agar for a fantastic interview, so stay tuned on that on WSBU 88.3, the buzz you're seeing the wild card. We'll come back after that interview with more content, but tune in. Oshunayi goes long, and that's it. St. Bonaventure wins the Atlantic 10 tournament. It's a body party. 88.3, The Buzz. And welcome back to the Wild Card on WSBU 88.3, The Buzz. And joining us is a very special guest, ballet sports studio host and social media influence, Annie Agar. Annie, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We are really happy to have you on. I just have a few questions to ask you. You've, I'll start out. You've had a pretty crazy, may I say, rise in popularity. And I want to go back to the start of actually the COVID pandemic. And you were working as a studio host, right? And then the pandemic shut down and you lost your job. Yep. Yeah. So I was I was working in local news, mm -hmm. um, and if you know anybody that wanted to get into this industry, that's what everybody said. You got to start local news. You work your way up. And I always had the goal of you know ESPN or a top uh, network. And um, and then COVID hit and it slowed everything down. And then all of a sudden there was nothing because I was covering a lot of high school sports. We were getting ready to cover Big Ten football. Spring games were starting up, and all that just stopped. And so it was kind of a shock because I've never not been working, so I didn't yeah. really know what to do. Uh, and then I found TikTok. So <laughs> <laughs> I just had gotten on TikTok, and um, I, ha I have a younger sister who said, don't get on TikTok. It's millennials don't know what they're doing <laughs> there. And I, I will say, don't, I didn't even know where the record button was, so I did not know what I was doing. Um, but it was a great avenue for content. And, and not, before I even started doing content, I was consuming it constantly. So I was, And I still do. I consume a lot of social media to see what the trends are, what people are doing. Um, and I kind of had this idea to do a Big Ten meeting because we missed that Big Ten. Everybody was so down and sad, and we needed some comedic relief because it was you know you can still laugh during hard times like there's no crime against yep. being positive during this so I wanted to remind people about that um, and TikTok was a great avenue for that so I had this idea one day to do a Big Ten meeting where it was the Big Ten trying to figure out COVID and kind of maneuver through this weird situation we were in um, and it, it took off somehow <laughs> it mm -hmm. went great so ever since that I was doing um, I started doing a couple other college ones and then it led to the NFL and we're here today, there, all because of TikTok. There you go. And one, to follow up, like, if the COVID pandemic ne never happened, do you think you would be here, like, at this? That's a great question. You know, I, I, I like to think that I would be. Mm -hmm. Hopefully.
hopefully someday because I, I wanted, you know, if you work for something hard enough where you want to get to that point, I don't think there's any thing that could have stopped me other than, you know, it would have taken me a lot longer. Um, but I'm so thankful it worked out the way that it did because I wanted to do, I always wanted to do something different right. in sports and I wanted to be, I love sports reporters and, you know, the stuff you guys do at having a show because it connects fans to athletes they love because we have the accessibility to those athletes that fans don't, but they want that connection and we are able to give them that. So I wanted that, but I wanted to do it in a very real way. And I, you know, I did the whole local news thing and I tried to be the someone that reads off a teleprompter and people are great at that, right? They bring their personality out when they're on TV. I, I wasn't able to do that because sitting behind a desk to me was very limiting. I wasn't able to connect with fans as well as I wanted to. So now these videos are just so great because they're very personal. Um, it's very on brand for me. You know, I can bring my personality and my humor and, and now the stuff I do do on camera, I'm allowed to be myself because people know what to expect from me already. Right. So, so yes, I would like to believe that eventually I would hopefully be there, but you know, I'm very faith focused too. And I believe that this was just the plan that was in place for me. So yeah, I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> I, I had my own experience with the teleprompter before. It's not, not my most fun. I'm, I'm a yeah. fan of being more natural and ad-libbing, you yeah. know, do, doing the whole radio yeah, deal. But exactly. you mentioned, you know, social media being an avenue for you building a career. How do you think that that has kind of changed over the last few years? You know, what you don't really have to be at, at like you, even though you were at a TV network, you know, you don't really have to start there anymore. You can kind of build your own platform from the social media space. Right. hundred percent. You know, branding is so important in sports, especially people that are on in front of the camera want to be in front of the camera you know it's it's going in a direction where it's not so much the content you can provide it's who the person is you know we can get the same kind of information that we get from ESPN anywhere but you trust ESPN because of the people that you want to watch exactly. you, know, you want to watch like guys like Stephen A and Colin Coward you want to get their, their their info from them but it's the same information so it's going to be like that where now social media is allowing us to get this information so quickly and anywhere you want but the, you're going to listen to the people that you trust so I think the biggest thing is figuring out how to brand yourself on social media and, and just putting yourself out there and being completely 100% yourself because there's there, you know you can bring something nobody else can bring to the sports world because there's so many people already in it yep. um, and social media is an absolutely great way I, I've talked to producers and people in the industry that literally will stalk you on social media to see what you can bring so I think that's just a huge avenue and that doesn't require connections that requires a phone and you talking into into it you know it's just it's a very uh uh, entry-level way of getting yourself out there, and I think it's it's brilliant. Well, s speaking of your social media posts, I mean, your, your NFL team meetings are th the hit right now <laughs> on, on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, all, all that jazz. Uh, and I thought it was really funny is that, obviously, you know, with your career now, you, you, you probably have a little money to buy uh, a, a team team <laughs> shirts, right? But you, you still stick to, you know, the ones you don't have, right. posting the pasting a paper logo on your chest. You know, talk to us about that. That's a very unique kind of shtick you have. Thank you. Yeah, when I, you know, when I when the videos started taking off, NFL teams were reaching out, and the NFL itself actually reached out, and they offered, you know, these jerseys, and NFL shop donated a bunch of, you know, stuff for these videos. But then when I was doing, I think it was the Jets, which is so fitting, you guys, to have the <laughs> logo of the Jets. Absolutely. Falling, like, half falling off the T-shirt. Uh, they reached out, and they were like, look, we love the jerseys, but it's kind of very wholesome, and it's and it's my brand to do the logo. Yeah. So certain teams, I refuse to buy a jersey. The Bears are one of them because I'm a big Packers fan. Mm -hmm. So And then I moved to Chicago, which was the dumbest thing I could <laughs> <laughs> they probably hate me there too, um, but I, uh, I I would not buy a Chicago Bears jersey for the longest time, and then I, I ended up having to for a Halloween costume, so I oh. caved on that one. I know it's, it's terrible; it doesn't <laughs> even get hung up. It sits in my closet. Um, but yeah, there's certain teams that wanted the logo, so I'll stick with what the fans want. <laughs> We've seen a lot of people with social media basically make it a full-time job, and you know you you also do two different things. You do ballet sports and you do social media. Do you have trouble balancing that? And do you see like that social media could be a full-time job for a lot of people? 
You know, Bally, that's when we were looking at networks to sign with, that's why Bally's was so great because they knew that it was social media first. That's how I kind of got my start. Um, and they were very open to all of my content being, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we do our social media stuff and then everything else will come with it. So my co-host, Serena Morales, who used to be on SportsCenter, she's great because she's very, um, she'll get the reporting side of things done. I'll be able to do the social side. So they're absolutely the perfect brand to align with um, and, and network to be with. But on, in terms of people doing social media full-time, totally 100% believe it because like i said i can my screen time is so bad oh, don't, don't, don't even, even talk about it mine is <laughs> oh, horrific it's so bad horrific. because I'll, I'll literally be on my phone during all the nfl games and my friends are like oh you you know you don't even watch the games anymore i'm like well i i can't you know i am obviously but i'm also tweeting at the same time you're constantly thinking of content to come up with um and it's a and it's a very continual thing you know i i produce a video Monday, I, I um, shoot my videos Monday and then I release them Tuesday. So on Tuesday, I'm like, okay, I can breathe for a minute. Like, I have good content that came out. But then that night, I'm like, okay, what's next? Like, right. It's irrelevant by Thursday because there's a Thursday night football exactly. game. Exactly. So it's, it's the, a wild world of social media content. And you can't force anything, but you have to get stuff out there. So I can totally believe that it's a full time job. Because right. I'm, it's a full time job. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Hansen making all the calls must be a big yes, help to you oh while you're looking God. down at the phone. I met him with him last night. Actually. Oh, yeah, really? Oh, cool. That's awesome. Great. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, a, it's a wild thing. I told him he's on my TV more than, like, anything else. Literally, right? <laughs> so it's what, one o'clock Sunday uh, right. to the, the, literally yeah, Sunday so night football. All, all day. All exactly. Day. <laughs> um, so, you know, I wanted to talk about, you know, you've made this these great strides in such a short period of time and, you know, you, uh, you can only go up from here. What do you think would, would be your end goal? I know you mentioned ESPN and all, and all these networks that you were dreaming of uh, working from for your whole life. Uh, what do you think your end goal is right now or do you even have an, an idea of what that could be? That's a great question. Um, you know, we want to do more. I want to have some longevity to it, not just a weekly video that comes out even though people love those and I want to stick to the brand that I, that I built. Um, I'd love to, you know, we're thinking hosting shows yeah. and um, and doing some fun interviews and stuff like that. It's just going to be a, a, like another level of connecting with fans. So I don't ever think I'll take away from the original concept because people seem to like it. Um, but yeah, it just says you know what what who can I connect with more? Who can I um, make you know network with and get them on my show or start up a show? And what's that show going to look like? And it will involve comedy and the NFL. I will tell you <laughs> That's that. That's awesome. Right now. <laughs> and uh, one of the last questions we have. I think you were at the Lakers game the other night. You posted on Instagram a this awesome dig. We're out of Buffalo, so a lot of Bills fans and a uh, Lakers game up 71 in the first half and still play better <laughs> D than the Bills in overtime. I'm so sorry. No. So I, I'm not a Bills fan myself, oh, yeah. but I, I could none not. Of us, none of us, none of us are Bills, Bills fans. So we're okay, but I had to ask, is there like a certain fan base that gives you the hardest time off like social media stuff? That's a great question. Uh, Cowboys fans? Mm. Cowboys fans are my favorite fan base to make fun of. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And it's so, it's so you can't not make fun of them. Nope. Yeah, like, I know. Especially this year, I couldn't have scripted it better. <laughs> I was so ready for them to lose that game too. I even had oh, I had a tweet ready even before they played the game. I was like, if the Cowboys lose, I'm going to bring up Yellowstone and I'm going to say something about Cowboys getting beaten up and how if I wanted to watch Cowboys get beaten up, I just watch Yellowstone. Exactly. Or I just watch the playoffs instead of watching Yellowstone. Yep. And I had it prepped and I'm like, they're going to lose this game. And my friends were like, it's the 49ers. Jimmy G's going to throw a late game interception like he always does, which he did. And they still found a way to blow it. I just think it's the best <laughs> thing ever. Uh, sorry, Cowboys fans out there. But, um, no, they're super fun to make fun of the Bears, like I said, because that's a personal, yep. you know, personal mm-hmm. rivalry there. But every team, they're so open to it because I try to make the jokes, you know, they, they hit, but they're they're relevant and they're they're right, right? Like, I don't try to just pull it out of nowhere. I mean, I'll, I'll try and go off of history of what people have been talking about, what fans want to hear. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just a really fun, it's a fun time to make fun of them because at the end of the day, you know, they're talented guys. Like, everybody knows that. I'm just... I'm just stating the obvious. If you don't want to be made fun of, don't do something don't. stupid. <laughs> so, so you're saying, so you're saying that, and you're, you know, you're, you're poking fun at, at these, you know, 
big time athletes. Have have you kind of come into contact with any of them who who you've kind of taken a dig at before and, and been in an awkward situation with like a face to face? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, Zach Wilson. Um, I did, I made fun of him when he was back at BYU. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it was the end of the season. I made some joke about his mom having to let him out in the meeting because we don't have oh. a kid. Mm. And uh, and he reached out. He DM'd me one time, and he and I'm like, oh my gosh, I saw I saw the notification pop up. I thought this guy's gonna lay into me. <laughs> I've just insulted this future rookie NFL quarterback, and he was like hilarious. Like I showed my mom. It was great. So I'm like, That's okay, so good. Funny. We're good. Um, but other than that, I, yeah, I, I have a couple NFL players that follow me, and it's funny the kickers. The kickers love the jokes because it doesn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> I don't think I've made – maybe I've made a couple uh, Mason Crosby jokes. But, no, it's it's been a good time. I think at the end of the day they just like that their team's included. And I'll have fans reach out and say, why – like the Cardinals fans, they're like, why aren't you having – like you guys are 6-0. and What do you want me to joke about? The fact that you're so good. Like it was, now I can make Kyler Murray jokes. But, yep. yeah, uh, it was, it's just a fun time. I think at the end, of the end of the day they know it's all in good humor. That's awesome. Well, Annie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank and we guys. look forward to seeing your content going forward. Thank you guys so yep. much for having yep. me. Thank you. I'm Dak Prescott, and you're listening to 88.3 The Bus. Welcome back into the Wild Card Live from Radio Row in Los Angeles here at the LA Convention Center. You're listening to WSBU 88.3 The Buzz, the Wild Card with Tom Sype, Nate Solomon, Nick Roloff, and Carter Raymond. We just had a great interview with Annie Agar, and yeah. now it's time to talk some college hoops. We got an interview with Jake Marsh coming up in just about eight minutes, so it's only right to talk college hoops. And you know what? We're on the West Coast, so we're going to focus on some Pac-12 basketball. And Carter, we're going to start. The conference is usually a little fraudulent, we like to say. There's three decent teams in it, Arizona, fourth in the country, UCLA, but Carter hates them because his return theory is 12th, and USC is 21st. But other than that, it is kind of risque. So, Carter, what about the Pac-12 this year? Yeah, it's very interesting. And I will say, I I think I was I was wrong about UCLA. I mean, they've been way better than I thought they were. I thought they'd be well out of the top 25 at this point. And, oh, you know, they, they, certainly, they certainly haven't been perfect, but they, they have been impressive sitting at – uh, at well, I think number twelve right now in the country, um, they're looking pretty good. But like, let's talk about a team like USC. USC started off great for the most part. You know, they were they were in the rankings. They were undefeated for the longest time, having not played that super hard schedule. But they've entered conference play, and it's been kind of downhill from there. They're sitting at nine and four in conference, twenty and four overall, two games back from Arizona, who's first in the standings, and sitting behind Washington State, who's in fourth in the Pac-12, a surprise team, or a team not usually up there. So, you know, it's it's the Pac-12. It's just this kind of mismatch of what I call kind of bullcrap power fives, right? I mean, you look at Washington, they're 12 and 9, you know, like Colorado's, uh, I mean, Arizona State's 7 and 14, they're 3 and 8. You know, you got teams like Cal, Utah, Oregon State, they're all awful. So it's a mix, mixed match of a conference. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, you've got the, you know, three top teams, Arizona, UCLA, Oregon. USC, I think, is a tier below them. Washington State, I'm not buying them. So, you know, it's, it's kind of up in the air for those top three. But like normal, you got a good team or two and a bunch of bullcraps. Don't diss the Conference of Champions like that. Well, oh, Walton would God. be extremely disappointed in you. 
Well, you know, the, the, the champion's at the bottom at 3-17 and 17 overall. So, you know, <laughs> what can I say? I know. They're the lead eight team last year. But, Unbelievable. Um, you know, uh, I think the Pac-12 has kind of been, it's been relatively entertaining this year. Arizona is really good. At, you know, they're, they're, they're legit in my opinion. I mean, 20-2. and two, they got a bunch of different guys that can score. UCLA. Um, you know, they, they've lost a couple. They lost back-to-back -back games. You know, I'm not really too worried about them yet. Um, you know, at 17-4, they're obviously, you know, kind of right on that three seed line right now and I think that can improve um, you know I will agree with you though Carter I kind of thought that that UCLA sort of kind of got a little bit lucky with that final four run that they made last year I thought they kind of um, played a, a above where that where they actually are in terms of skill level but they, they, you know they proved me wrong this year they, they've looked really good for the most part um, Oregon they got off to a rough start they're, they're peaking at the right time at 15 and 7 they're not completely out of the question for an at-large um, Washington State 14 and 7 you know they have a little bit of work to do uh, if they kind of want to get into NCAA tournament territory then of course uh, you know USC uh, fifth right now in the Pac-12 but at 20 and 4 they're sitting pretty comfortably on that 4 to 5 seed line um, so th I think they could probably be a f uh, this could be a four bid conference uh, with uh, Washington, Stanford, Colorado. They're all above 500. I don't really expect them to become factors uh, unless they win the conference tournament. So I mean I see this league as, as probably a four bid league: uh, Arizona, UCLA, USC, and, and maybe Oregon, Oregon or Washington State could potentially sneak in. But I'm not overly confident about it right now. But I, I feel more confident about Oregon though over Washington State. How dare you not mention Oregon State? in there the beeves to make the NCAA tournament that's disgusting 3 and 17 the beeves listen here's the, I just I really I don't want to take you know it's a it's a power conference team you like it's crazy to see a power conference team at 3 and 17 overall i mean that's crazy like even in conference their record isn't good that's because they play all power conference teams I mean, they're awful like yeah. i don't know but but the expectations at Oregon state are Lower, you know, they've made two NCAA tournaments in the past thirty years, so it's not like Wayne Tinkles. Yeah, and they made major. an Elite Eight. Right. Yeah, right. but you can't you can't go three and seventeen merchants. after going to the Elite Eight. Well, I, the I, best I, player, Ethan Thompson. If you didn't know, I'm an Oregon State shark. <laughs> Did someone say COVID merchants? I know they lost their best player, but still, if you go to the Elite Eight, it doesn't matter what your record is. Doesn't matter how you get to the NCAA tournament. You can't go three and seventeen the next year. No, you can't. But they. Coach Tinkle's not going anywhere anytime soon. Coach Tinkle got a bag the off season. Yeah. So. Now, may I make my opinion public about the Pac-12. Go ahead. I am a Pac-12 fan. I enjoy watching the Pac-12. I stay up all night, so I appreciate 11 o'clock p.m. basketball. But here's the fact of the reality. The Pac-12 conference as a whole has three wins against teams that are in the top 25 right this second. And, they, and two of those are from UCLA. And the other one is a win from Arizona against Illinois. The conference is a little fraudulent, okay? In terms of them having originally just a week ago, uh, I know USC fell off after a few losses, but you know they had three top ten teams. And let's be honest, gentlemen, those teams were not top ten teams in the nation, okay? I'm a fan of UCLA. You know, I, I'm a fan of how... They've returned everyone, and they've played well under Mick Cronin. I'm a huge fan of Mick Cronin. I'm a f I was wrong about Arizona. I, I was really against them, but but am I wrong at the same time? You know, I, I think it was the 2018 tournament where the Pac-12 went 0-4, and I think that might happen again this year, 0-3. 
outside of UCLA, I think Arizona and USC are both, you know, frauds in, in all honesty. Um, you know, I know that's a hot take because everyone loves to, for some reason, loves Arizona, and, and I still have not been on that train. And USC, everyone had them in their top five just you know, two, two weeks ago, and now, you know, at the end of this week, they, they're probably going to be out. So, you know, it's it's a little ridiculous that, you know, they, they get hyped up for, you know, uh, having three top three teams in the top ten in the country, right? And those are the top three teams in Pac-12 standings. And then teams number four to the bottom are all horrific, right? I mean, it, I've, I don't know if that's fair to say, but I, no, that's my awful. opinion. Awful. They're all awful. So it, it just the math doesn't add up there. It, it doesn't really make sense. And outside of UCLA, I, I don't see any of these teams going anywhere. Um, and I think the Pac-12, although I enjoy watching – it's a little overrated. It's good late night entertainment. So no, I'm curious. Why? How come you don't think Arizona's legit? You know, I, I think that they got hot early, right? Um, and they played really well, but against teams that really weren't weren't really good. Also, if you look at the Pac-12 um, strength of non-conference strength of schedule, it's the worst among the Power Five conferences. Um, you know they they had those wins. They had they had a win against Michigan that was considered to be good at the time, but but that just turned but yeah, out. Yeah, it did drop off. That, it wasn't that just, what you thought. That, that yeah. was not what we thought. Um, you know Arizona defensively questions me a little bit. Um, you know early in the year they're holding opponents to uh, low figures, but again that's that's kind of just because of the opponents. Um, you know I know college basketball is a little different, but they don't really have that guy, right? Like Coloco, to me is probably the one that you know is the X factor for Arizona, but. You know, they have a few players that I just, you know, I don't know. They, they click well, which I like. Um, but I, I don't know. There, there's just something about it when I watch Arizona Wildcats basketball. Uh, I, it just doesn't resonate well with me. And that's going to do it for our Pac-12 college basketball talk. We're going to head right into this Jake Marsh interview, talking some college hoops, a little about a little bit about himself. So listen to that on WSB 88.3, The Buzz, live from Radio Row at the L.A. Convention Center for Super Bowl 56. Welcome back into the wild card, live from Super Bowl Radio Row at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Joining us now is a very special guest, Barstool Sports' own Jake Marsh, sports business reporter for Part of My Take and host of Stool Streams. Jake, nice, nice of you to come on the show. Thank you guys for having me. Always love watching the Bonnies play some hoops. Can oh. still make the tournament. I was going to say, we don't, lo- we don't love the, the Bonnies <laughs> making the hoops. <laughs> not as I do this basketball. season if you got, as you guys have anticipated so far. Yeah, actually, you know what? Why don't we start there? Uh, yeah. We had massive expectations coming to the season, and you know, after Charleston Classic, you know, we ranked 16th in the country, and yeah. now slipping in A-10 play. What's really been the hole as an, from an outsider's perspective looking in? I think the easy answer is the lack of the bench, which I think you guys would all agree with. Right? I mean, obviously. Have, I think it's the oldest team in the country. You mm. think the average age is probably around 23 or 24. And there was a game you guys went to double overtime a few weeks ago, I think. LaSalle. 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 Okay. And I was looking at the box score, and it was like minutes played. 50, 50, 50, 49, 48, 2, 1. Yeah. You can't go far in the tournament if that's the case. Obviously, Health is one thing. You stay healthy, but even if you don't stay healthy, guys are gonna get tired, and you, mm-hmm. you need a bench to go far in the tournament. I think. Yeah, you were the play-by-play uh, play for Vermont. Yeah. Anthony Lamb, Vermont star, actually is from Rochester, New York. Yeah. Like five minutes away from, from where I live. Yeah. yeah. So he, I just had to bring that up. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> awesome. He's in the G League right now. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he got a shot. On the Rockets uh, last year. Yeah, he was undrafted with the Rockets, and then. 
he went to the Spurs. He's starting to tend to with the Spurs, I want to say, like, uh, two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. And he's hanging around, which is great. No, no player from the University of Vermont has ever sniffed the NBA. Um, so it's really cool to see. And, you know, just today, some massive basketball news going around. Uh, obviously, that, that Sacramento and uh, Pacers trade went down. If we were just talking about the NBA, uh, what was the reaction to that? I'm surprised that the, uh, the Pacers ended up getting Halliburton in that deal. Yeah. I'll be honest, what I'm uh, more interested in right now is I saw that, Sabonis, right? He was, in, he was involved with yep, it. Yep, yep, Sabonis. Um, I saw CJ McCollum got traded too, yeah. and he's a friend of part of my take. Oh, that's right, friend the of the program. Back, the step back to freedom shot mm -hmm. is uh, what we call it. So it's disappointed that we're not going to see him with, uh, with Dame anymore. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, uh, talk about what you and Barcelona Benchmark are doing with the 3-on-3 three -three tournament. Yeah, so Tuesday, March 15th in New York City, it's going to be – a three-on-three -three tournament. We have, we have open registration right now. Um, teams will get uh, personalized jerseys. I don't know if you guys seen it on Twitter, but it's basically the Blue Bloods jerseys, and instead of the team name, it says Parcel Sports, which will be really cool. Um, and then that'll be during the day, and then at night we're going to have a watch party for the first four. So it's the first day of the opening round. You guys might be in it. But I guess you'll take <laughs> that at this point. Yeah, yeah, we will absolutely, absolutely. absolutely we'll take but that at this point. If not you guys can make a run to the NIT Final Four and be in New York City. <laughs> we'll so we'll love a run to the garden, so not going to lie. We'll love a run to the garden. That's so yeah. fraudulent. Now, yeah. uh, will the man who is suspended be there? Uh, he will not be suspended at the time. So, so he'll be we, there. We were talking about Rico Bosco, yeah. yep. my, yep. my, uh, my co-worker on the Barstool Bench Mob. Um, his suspension, when is this going to air? Uh, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Okay, so he'll still be suspended, but <laughs> it's coming up soon. That's all I'll say. So we caught you uh, coming past the table when you were on Twitter live, and we, we ended up going on, on Twitter to see if you, if we could catch you know your your spurt with us, and we, we ended up hearing you saying uh, Doug Gottlieb's over there, and you were wishing <laughs> yes. Rico is there. So that was really a, a funny spot. We know the the relationship <laughs> between those two. Yes, uh, Rico Bosco again. If you don't know him, he's a crazy person. <laughs> I, think, I think everyone would agree with that. Serial Twitter blocker. Yes. Are any of you guys blocked by him? No, no. Oh, thank wow. Thankfully, haven't haven't jabbed him enough wow, on Twitter rare yet. company I'm in with that <laughs> right now. Um, but no, Rico, for uh, some reason, does not like Rico, uh, Doug Gottlieb. I don't think he, if he was here, there's probably a lot of people he just doesn't like. And the reason for that, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows the reason why Rico does these things. But that's Rico. That's what makes him unique and fun. Yeah, uh, you have your own, we call it Rastin, or Rastinism. James yes. Marsh, very, the future. That is, I think that's yes. the pinnacle of college basketball <laughs> success right there, is getting your own Rastinism. <laughs> I mean, I think that's, that's well, where you want to be. Well, not so fast because Rico does have, like, gum on your shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an all-time one that I saw. He, he, yeah. tried, he tried to spin zone it on the pod and, and try to make it seem like it was something good. I, mean, I don't know. Dude, that, was a, that was a tough one to get. Yeah. No, nothing uh, like the future. No, I appreciate <laughs> it. He's, he's done a lot for me. He definitely... Uh, he brings my name out all, all the time, which is great. Yeah, that is great. Uh, looking at this college basketball season, well, who's your pick? Ooh. At the beginning of the season, <laughs> I took Michigan. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Doesn't look so hot right now. Um, but no one's really talking about that. Everyone's talking about how I had Wisconsin missing the tournament. As in everyone, I mean Big Cat, because every time they <laughs> win a game, he's just, yeah, shoving it down my throat. Like, all right, you didn't have Wisconsin in. I'm like, I know. How many times do you need to tell me? But no, it's all good. Uh, right now, it's wide open. I, I, in 2020, we didn't get a tournament, obviously. I thought the field was wide open. I think we're kind of getting that this season because last year it was Gonzaga-Baylor and, and it kind of en ended up being chalk with them in the championship. This year, eight to ten teams I think could win it all. Uh, 
right now, I would say oof. I like Kentucky. Okay, Kentucky, I do too. They're a blue blood, but they're flying under the radar on the SEC because Auburn is doing Auburn things. They've only lost one game this season to UConn in double overtime. Um, yeah, so it, I like them. It's kind of a different Kentucky team than than years past. You know, they're bringing in Kellen Grady, our own A A10 fella from yeah. uh, from Davidson last season, and obviously building the roster up through transfers and, and veteran players. It's yeah. kind of been a differently built, constructed roster than what they've had with the one and dones and stuff. Has that kind of been, you know, John Calipari's you know, theme this year of, you know, he hasn't had too much success with the one and done formula over the past few years, but now he's got this veteran group and he's back in the top five. Yeah, no, 100%. And uh, I think this is a little bit of a different construct for a Kentucky team that we're seeing because usually we're seeing a bunch of 18 and 19-year-olds uh, come in, freshmen, like you said, and then leave for the NBA. This year he still has that with, like, Ty Ty Washington, but a lot of their key players are transfers. Severe Wheeler's from Georgia. Oscar Shebae is from West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Grady says from Davidson. So kind of trying to win different ways when you look at Duke, for example, Paolo, Trevor, Trevor Keels, A.J. Griffin, they're all those 18, 19-year-old freshmen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What are you uh, still going for? Are you still trying to get in the broadcasting? Because I know you've broadcasted some like – He's Yale a Mac guy now. Yeah, I've done a few uh, Iona games, Manhattan games, just trying to uh, stay loose on the call. Play-by-play uh, -play play is still my long-term goal. Um, I love calling games. Yeah. It's it's what I did in school. It's what I did out of uh, college. I was the radio voice for Vermont. We went to St. Bonaventure mm -hmm. opening night a few years ago. Beat you that guys. Beat that year. was that, that yes, it was. I I, uh, I had Vermont. I was on Vermont. I bet against the Bonnies. Oh wow. <laughs> so so did I. But I got it real sharp in the morning at minus one, and it moved all the way to four. There and then it go. was on bad beats yeah, that night. I remember that. We were up by I think four. Yeah. It's like five seconds left, and we had to inbound it. Yep. And then you guys stole it. Yep. Put it up and in. Yeah. Disaster class. <laughs> one by two <laughs> points, but still got the win. That's all that matters. So what's – oh, you can – Yeah, one, one thing I wanted to say. There's that guy with the hat in the student section. Oh, Dom Greco. Greco. Captain Beer. Captain Beer. Yeah, the beer hat. <laughs> and I know Big Cut's tweeted out a picture. But he's like, got merch now. He's got all this oh, fame. He's, he, he's He's doing videos for he's the university. Home game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dripping sweat all, all in all. <laughs> Dom, Dom's, Dom's a character. We, we, we love having him. Interesting. Yeah, it was fun. So I was going to ask, what's your plan for this week leading up to the Super Bowl? Yeah, so I'm with the Barstool crew. Uh, no one else is here right now. <laughs> Re reasons we won't specify. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm a big J. This is my home. That's right. I fit in with you guys. We connect. I'm in my suit. Um, yeah, I'm here with part of my take. They have a bunch of interviews planned. And it should be fun. Just going with the flow a lot of the time. Are you guys going to be going to the game? Not going to the game. Yeah, neither. No. We were, we're we're flying back on uh, Saturday. Yeah, so. I'm out of here on Friday. Who yeah. do you want to win? Couple friends of the program is on the show. That's yeah, true. I think it's Joe Burrow and the underdog. It's always Burrow. Burrow. I, it was always Burrow. I mean, that guy came into the part of my take studio the morning after winning the Heisman Trophy and yeah. brought that with him. Like that's loyalty. <laughs> that is loyalty. <laughs> you have to take him. Even even more loyalty was the national championship interview the day after in that in that hotel. Yep, he, he was hotel. They oh. were all drunk. Oh my <laughs> god. They were they were they were something that, that morning. That was yeah, that was crazy. That's an all time part of my take moment for yeah. sure. Well Jake, I know you don't have a ton of time and it, it was great having you on the show. Um WSBU, the Bonnies, disappointing season, but we love talking college hoops. Love talking some sports with you. A couple of big J's going on in a in a in a little J world. So uh, it, was, it was great having you on, and uh, we'll, we'll be hearing from you soon. Thank you guys for having me. Good luck the rest of the season. I, I think we need to see a small school make a run in the tournament. I so why agree. not, Bonnies? Yep, maybe Chattanooga.
with the 19th pick in the 2012 NBA draft, the Orlando Magic select Andrew Nicholson from Mississauga, Canada and St. Bonaventure University. 88.3 The Buzz. Welcome back into WSBU 88.3 The Buzz live from Los Angeles here at Super Bowl 56 on Radio Row. We just had a fantastic wild card interview with Jake Marsh talking some college hoops. His personal career was just absolutely awesome. Yeah, yeah, Jake's funny. The way it happened is he was just walking around and, and he was actually Instagram or Twitter live at the time and, and he mentioned he'd come back to us. and yeah, He's a great guy, so really, really glad you stopped by. Yeah, we have a Randy Grimes interview coming up just to close out our show. Carter and I had a great conversation with him. But before we do that, we mentioned a little bit at the end of the interview, and you'll get to hear that, about the future of the Tempe Bucks. So we're looking at that here, and we just want to close out our little segment with what does the Bucks do next? Because if you look at their free agent list, they're in shambles. I mean, Chris Godwin, unrestricted free agent, JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, free agent, Ryan Jensen, free agent, and Dominic Sue, free agent, Gronkowski, free agent, Golson, free agent, Leonard Fournette, free agent, Ronald Jones, free agent, and Tyler is not on the show, but one of our favorites, Carlton Davis, is a free agent, one of their top corners. So they have a lot of free agents, not to mention the greatest quarterback of all time retiring. They're kind of in a tough spot, Solomon. So what do you think they do from here? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see what the reaction is going to be to the Tom Brady announcement. Like, obviously, everybody is disappointed and is going to miss him. But um, when you look at the Buccaneers as a whole, you know, th that decision will, will affect a lot of things. Obviously, the, those guys that, that are free agents, it, it could affect whether they want to come back or not. I mean, so many guys went to Tampa Bay just to play with Tom Brady, to team up with him, and, and to go win a Super Bowl, which is exactly what they did last year. Um, then you also look at somebody like Rob Gronkowski. Like, he came out of retirement just to play for Tom Brady. And um, I'm not sure if his contract is expiring, and I don't know if you have it up in front of you or not, but... You know that that could be the, Tom Brady retiring could be a, a factor to what what Gronk does next. Does he go? Does he stay with Tampa? Does he go to somewhere like Buffalo? Does he go back to retirement and go back to partying every day and just doing Gronk things? Um, so so the the, the Tom Brady announcement is going to have major effects to the Buccaneers. Um, right now, it looks like uh, you know, defensive coordinator Todd Bowles will be returning to the team. Um, so, so that's a that's a good sign for them. Just it's a big plus for them. You know, Bowles is a very good defensive coordinator. Obviously, was not not a great head coach, but um, you know, at least having their coaching staff back is, is one step towards uh, of having another successful season for the Buccaneers, regardless of who is on that team. Nate, just think all the commercials Rob Gronkowski's in now. If he gets retired again, Oof. it's going to be a whole nother level. Chaos. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah, I mean, the, the Buccaneers. They were that team that. Brought everyone back and went for the Super Bowl, and I was right. They they didn't advance to the conference championship game in the playoffs. It doesn't work. Um, Brady's now out. So what do you do? I mean, the problem is you're kind of entering a rebuild phase if you're Tampa Bay. Like you said, there's just too many free agents. There is a, and it's big time names on that team. Like it, you know, there's some big names that require a lot of money. They just can't do it. So um, that's I think that has something to do with why Tom ended up stepping out. He probably saw this coming in Tampa Bay, and. If you're a Bucks fan, I mean, it's probably going to be back to what it was in the you know early 2010s. Like, do they go after someone like Jameis Winston? Like, what's that ceiling of the team? Probably not very good. Maybe a fringe playoff team if you're lucky. And they still have good coaches. I mean, I think Arians is a good coach. You mentioned Todd Bowles. Good coach, so good foundation. But, I mean, I, I, I think it's going to be tough times ahead. 
Yeah, and Carter, you mentioned uh, where does this team go from here, and they went all in, and people knew that. I mean, Bucks fans would absolutely take the past two years in knowing that the next five years could be tough times. I mean, that, that franchise has two championships, and they got their second just because the greatest quarterback of all time decided to come back down to Tampa. And you like Nick Dominic Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, Gronk, we mentioned him already. They all came out just to play with him and Leonard Fournette. So everyone in the Bucks organization, Bucks fans, uh, Brady, and even the players probably knew that Brady's time was two to three years, and once that was over, the team would be over, and they would all go their separate ways again. And the Bucks would have to basically start from the ground up, which they're going to have to do. It's going to be difficult. Now the question is, do they stick with Kyle Trask at quarterback? He's the only QB under contract for next season at this point in time. So they're either going to draft one. That's hands down they're drafting one or they're signing one. Uh, now what will that be? Jameis Winston, maybe. Kyler Murray deleting all the Cardinals from his social medias. Doubt that he would trade trade go, go to Tampa, but I mean it's possible. Uh, I would suggest the draft. I mean, they're going to be picking 28th right at the end. There's uh, The quarterbacks are iffy. They drafted Kyle Trask in the second round last year, but what we've seen in preseason, I don't think he's the guy at all. And I would much rather take one of those quarterbacks at the end, like a Howell or Ritter, uh, one of those two, or maybe three quarterbacks in the back half of that first round. And I think go from there. And it's going to be interesting. Like one of the players I'm thinking about constantly, Mike Evans, longtime Buck legend. He's going to be the loud man out, the only person left. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do with there. And it's time to now head to the Randy Grimes interview. Uh, thank you for listening on day three coverage of Super Bowl 56 on Radio Row. This was the wild card. Carter Raymond, Tom Seib, Nate Salmon, Nick Roloff signing off for day three. Stay tuned. Tomorrow we'll be live 6 to 9 p.m. once again from the LA Convention Center on Radio Row. All right, welcome back to the Wild Card, live from Los Angeles Convention Center on Radio Row for Super Bowl 56. Carter Raymond and Nick Roloff here. We are lucky to be joined by a very special guest, former NFL offensive lineman Randy Grimes. Thanks for joining us. How Thank, are you? Thank you for having me. Today's a big day for me. I, my book releases today, Off Center. Yeah, absolutely. Off Center launches telling your rise and fall in the NFL and your battle against addiction. Right. Why don't we just start with that? Talk about your inspiration for the book and what you hope your readers learn. Yeah, well, my, the inspiration for the book was <laughs> to write about this journey I had out of the darkness back into the light. You know, it was... Uh, uh, a 20-plus year process, you know, that, that my addiction started as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then I took that addiction into my private life, and I just couldn't stop the chaos for too long. And uh, the book is about all the misery and the pain and, and, and the disappointment that I put a lot of my loved ones and my family and my career and my reputation and finances and all that through. So, you know, this is, uh, this is a healing process for my family because everybody in my family had a platform in it. They had a part of it. They helped with it. And, uh, you know, whether the book's successful or not, it's already served its purpose by healing our family and everything. You know, I've got 12 and a half years sober. Uh, I started Pro Athletes in Recovery uh, as, a, as a bridge between former players and resources because a lot of times people, for whatever, athletes especially, for whatever reason, pride, ego, guilt, and shame, they don't put their hand up and ask for help. So that's what we serve. And, uh, you know, this is a unique book as where as – I wrote it. I, there's two stories going on. There's an intervention going on, 
and then there's my life story going on, and they intertwine with each other all throughout the book. So there's something in here for everybody because everybody's been affected by addiction in some way. There's codependency. There's uh, enabling. There's there's stigma. Everything in here for somebody. And uh, so the book's for everybody. So going off the off the top of that, you know, you had the NFL was a big part of your life for about a decade. But one of the questions is, was it worth it to you? Obviously, it was. It, it made your life. It was the way you're living for a while. But you've had so many side effects from that. So, and you're like, was the NFL worth it? Your success versus what you've had the battle. You know, thinking back, I wouldn't go back and change anything because it made me who I am now and what I do now. You know, I played back in a culture, uh, I call it that North Dallas 40 culture, you know, where you do whatever you have to to stay out on that field. And whether that means an injection or throwing down a handful of pills or whatever, because that's the way we did back then, back in the 80s and early 90s. That's the way we played the game. And we practiced hard. You know, the, the, the mentality back then, the coaching was, if you don't practice hard, you're not going to play hard. So we used to beat the hell out of each other all week long, and hopefully there was enough left in the tank to play on Sunday. Now it's so different. You know, they never put on the pads. Guys have longer careers. There's fewer injuries throughout the year. And I never understood why coaches didn't get that, why they always felt like they had to beat us to death all week. But, you know, there was more injuries back when I played during the week in practice and, uh, than we got in the game. So it's a different culture now. Um, but I wouldn't go back and change anything. You know, being on a team that my best record was 6-10, and 10, I had five head coaches in 10 years, six different offensive line coaches in 10 years, two different general managers. I had 10 different quarterbacks get up underneath me in 10 years. Even with all that going on and that chaos uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I wouldn't go back and change anything because, man, I played with some great people. Uh, we had just gotten married, me and my wife. We raised our family in Tampa. It was a great place to raise a family, and uh, I, I, wouldn't I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, uh, alongside your book that came out today, you've been doing a lot of work uh, founding Athletes in Recovery and in the White Sands Treatment Center. Talk about more of that. Well, I started this organization because back when I came into treatment, this was 2009, September, there was no, no uh, resources out there for former NFL players. So uh, that's why I started Athletes in Recovery. I started working with the NFL. They formed the Player Care Foundation. We started reaching out to former guys that I knew were out there, guys that I played with and against that I knew were struggling with substance abuse and mental health issues. They started coming out of the woodwork. Once, once I started getting out there and telling my story, then hands started coming up all over the place. And, you know, I've been able to help hundreds and hundreds of former players and their families, but not just NFL players, Major League Baseball, hockey, uh, NBA guys, jockeys. I've helped more jockeys. Those jockeys, they get, they get more beat up than NFL guys. They're so small, and they have such horrific injuries when they fall off those horses. Uh, MMA fighters, tennis players, golf, golfers, you know, I've, I've just had the, it was almost like God was preparing me all those years and all that misery that I put everybody through to do what I do today. And that is to open a door or to get somebody to raise their hand that normally wouldn't have. So you mentioned, you know, back when you played, it was a lot different. You know, you were talking about um, people were doing injections, taking pills just to stay in the field. The NFL has done some things to try and you know limit make the game safer whether it's you know late hits or concussions or you know testing for some of these things do you think the nfl has taken enough action whereas players now might not maybe not have to suffer like you have in the past with addiction like do you think they've done enough to stop that i think there's more accountability now on how they dispense narcotics 
there's uh, obviously that's a good thing that's come out of it. Uh, they've provided a mental health professional at every facility. I think that's a good thing. But you know what? Guys still have that warrior mentality. You know, players put pressure on themselves to get back out on that field probably sooner than they should. Um, team executives and head coaches put pressure on the training staff to get a player back out on that field probably earlier than they should. The good thing is that the concussion protocol is, is mandatory and they have to do certain things. But, you know, and players, players, players are going to want to get back out there. They don't want anybody on the, in their position. So that mentality still exists. But there is a lot more accountability now, you know. And, and that's a good thing. Right. And, and that's something that I'm proud of. I think that Athletes in Recovery has been a part of making sure that at least the narcotics aren't dispensed like they used to be. Yeah, transitioning into the modern day. Listen, you're wearing a Tampa Bay Buck shirt right now. What was your thoughts last year when they brought home the title? Man, I was just uh, obviously very excited. And, and you know, I, I, when Brady came to town, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know how much he had left in the tank. But I did know that he was going to bring a, uh, a an air of confidence, of uh, that championship mentality, that never say die mentality. You know, I knew he was going to bring that, and that's the one thing that I, I think that's his greatest legacy. Yeah, obviously, you won a Super Bowl, and we have a we have a trophy to, to forever in a showcase there. But I think the main legacy that guy leaves is that that locker room you know that that confidence and that you know the game's never over mentality and um you know that's something that you can't buy um speaking about brady and coming to tampa bay and bringing that attitude i know you you mentioned you weren't on some very good teams well back when you played but was there maybe a player that you played with that had that mentality that air in the locker room like he did that you could look up to well i mean yeah i mean leroy selman there's there's one for sure you know but you know i'm when when you're talking about an offensive lineman you know it's 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 important that we have somebody in charge in that huddle when we come back to it you know and that's the way steve young was you know i, I got to play with him for a year uh steve deberg was like that and then bidding became like that you know uh he was a young kid who came into the league with a lot of talent he just had terrible coaching you know, and, and Vinny went on to have a great career. The guy played for, like, what, 18 years? Like, almost 100 years the guy was playing all over the place. So, Vinny was one of those kind of guys. But, man, I played with some great players, you know, James Wilder and Hugh Green and, you know, just a lot of really great players. And uh, I, I wouldn't trade that time for anything. Yeah, you really honed in on the idea that uh, a leader in the locker room is big for a team. Those Bucks, they're going to lose Brady to retirement. What do you envision for them having to step up with new leaders and their team going into the future? Well, I think going out and getting a veteran quarterback has proven that they've proven that that can work. You know, whether it's for one or two years, and maybe that's all they need before Trask is ready to play. But uh, I think the real big thing for the Bucks this year is how many of those free agent veterans they're going to be able to retain. You know, last year they were able to keep everybody on the team and keep them all together and for one more good run. But, you know, this year is going to be different. It's going to be tougher for him to do that. So what is what is the front office willing to do? You know, it'll be interesting to see how these next few weeks go. And I know you're a busy man, so just one more question. But I know the Bucks got eliminated, but this game coming on Sunday, what's your thoughts? Do you, you have a winner or what's the key? Well, I'm an NFC guy. So, you know, i got to go for the Rams. Plus, they're the team that knocked the Bucks out. But, you know, 
really with their defensive front seven, it's going to be tough on the Bengals. It really is. And even the, the, the Rams, their offensive line, you know, I'm really impressed. And those are the kind of things I watch when I watch a football game. I watch those little battles that are going on in the trenches down there. So uh, I'm going to say the Rams. I'm not going to pick a score, but I think it's, it's going to be tough on the young quarterback having that front seven coming at him every down. Well, Randy, we'll let you go. Thank you for joining us once again, and I want to say congratulations on Thank the release you. of your book. And I hope you have great success moving forward. Thanks can again. I plug it right quick? Can oh, you, you can go to Amazon and find the book. It's called Off Center, or you can go to offcenterthebook.com. You can find me at proathletesinrecovery.org or at whitesandstreatment.com. Perfect. Thanks again. Have a good one. Thank you very much.
coach.